This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome everyone. Today I am joined by Ricky Manuku, who has been working on a really interesting campaign known as hashtag dare to see us. So welcome Ricky and if you wouldn't mind just taking a minute to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about the dare to see us campaign. Thank you Karen. Um, so my name is Ricky Minuku and I work it as an associate director at an organization called Womanico Transformation Spaces, and we are based in South Africa. Uh, we focus on how do we ensure that women can present in their authentic selves in the workplace. Um, we came about with the Dare to See Us campaign in 2020 because we were very clear uh, through our networks and through the women that we were working with of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on women in the world of work. And we were seeing that workplaces were not geared to be responsive to the very different impacts that women were facing. And that really brought us to a place where we said, do we see women and do we see the issues that they face in the workplace and how are we responding? That's how we came up with the title, Dare to See Us. And we really using it as a campaign to call on workplaces to be more responsive to the needs of women, particularly in the COVID context. And we do this through working with women themselves to help them to articulate the issues that they're facing and to learn more about how they can raise those issues in their workplaces. And we also do that by looking for case studies of workplaces that are doing all they can do to see the women in the COVID context. So Ricky, a little bit around, when we speak about gender equality and, and particularly, you know, the bringing women into into focus there a lot of the conversation around that gender e equality seems to be focused more around equal pay but with such a narrow view what else are we missing you know besides the the equal pay component what else or how else should workplaces be flexing so if we're going to take a big picture view it really allows us to see the different benefits of having gender equality. And the truth is gender equality matters because it's proven to have very clear business benefits. Um, it increases productivity and engagement in the business. It increases organizational effectiveness. It increases customer satisfaction. It improves talent attraction. It improves return on investment. So in terms of the bottom line needs for an investment, gender equality really does have an improvement as we have already seen when we talk about diversity broadly. Um, gender equality improves everything about the functioning and the outcomes in a business. But I think the biggest reasons we need to focus on the big picture is that gender equality has significant economic and, and developmental benefits uh, in society and thus for businesses. When our economies are working, when our uh, uh, populations are educated, uh, have income and are able to buy, that ultimately benefits a business. And some of the things that we know is that women are just currently underutilized as an economic force. Statistics show that women only earn 10% of the global income, but they contribute 
two-thirds of working hours. When we look at that more deeply, we realize how much of time is going to care work and that care work is not remunerated. And so it's been shown by studies that if we were to improve gender equality, we could build the global economy by $28 trillion within five years. The thing is, you can't beat the numbers. We generally would improve life and society if we had better gender equality. The last thing I want to mention is the focus on pay parity really doesn't allow us to look at the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic for women. Women are losing more income, more jobs. Uh, women are having to pay to face more unpaid uh, care work, and um, they're facing the impacts of increased gender-based violence and poverty. So what COVID is, has done is it's pushing us farther away from our gender equality aims as a society um, than we want to be. So that means we have to double down and do more of the work and to ensure that we're growing and building as a society as we hope and anticipate it. The other thing that COVID has done is it has brought this kind of new way of working that has really destroyed the barrier between home life and work life. And what that has done is it suddenly made us see very clearly many issues that were considered women's issues. Many ways of working that were considered feminine ways of working are suddenly becoming very relevant. So issues around how, as a leader, you show empathy, how, as a leader, you're able to manage emotions, all of those feminine traits are now becoming very important in this new context that we are. And issues around flexible working hours, digital access, work-life balance, all of those are suddenly becoming relevant for everybody, not just for women. So what we see when we look at that is that women bring a better place of work. They really shift the ways that we work and we understand work as a society in a way that rehumanizes the workspace. And at the same time, it has huge economic benefits for us as a society and for every single employee, every single corporate or workplace. Fantastic. And when you look across kind of countries, are they, you know, who's, who's kind of leading the pack and who seems to be lagging? United States and the European countries are leading the pack if you're talking about gender equality um, from the perspective of places of work or the workplace. Um, and there are many, many reasons for this, right? So we know that historically, gender equality was seen as kind of soft and marginal, and it didn't really contribute to the bottom line profits um, in a way that strategic or operational work contributed. But what's happened in the last 15, 20 years is an increased awareness that talent matters and an increased awareness of sustainability. Um, and what we've seen now in the past five years is kind of the, the arrival of social media and social movements that also put a social pressure. So we've got hashtag Me Too and hashtag Black Lives Matter that are talking about how we look at issues of equality in the workplace. So in the westernized context, there's a huge amount of pressure from the social from society to change um, and to ensure that gender equality is addressed. And then there's also a number of frameworks, uh, multilateral frameworks that I would say that have been built out of the UN machinery and that have been brought down to frameworks and indexes that apply in, in these countries. So 
there's a problem and a push to address the problem in society. There's a way of dealing with it through these frameworks and indexes. And what you've been able to see is that big companies in, in the US and Europe have been able to take up this work. They pressure to do it and they have the resources to do it. What we don't see happening so well is a take up of that on the African continent. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. It's that the African continent is largely developing countries. And so from the state level, the priority is, is social development de delivery, uh, as opposed to regulating the corporate sector or the economic sector around issues like gender equality. Um, also in the African context, we still have very patriarchal cultures at a social level. So kind of women's equality is seen as acceptable. So you don't have a, a big social pressure for change either. And then you have economies where a huge amount of the companies are at small and medium business level and they don't have the additional resources it takes to do the kind of transformation work that you have to do inside of the organization if you want gender equality um, to, to, to have traction in a company. But these are the same societies and companies where we do need to have gender equality if we want to see the bigger economic and social development benefits. Um, so I don't think that we can just leave it at it's difficult for African companies to do. I think there's a lot of interesting things that can be done to ensure um, that gender equality is being more implemented uh, in, in the African context. Um, and I can go into some of those if, if you'd like me to, Karen. Oh, fantastic. Yes, please do. Let's let's delve into that. So number one, I said the uptake of um, the kind of frameworks and gender equality implementation programs is high in the European and uh, US countries. And those are also the basis of the multinational companies. So largely the uptake is very high amongst uh, multi multinational corporations, huge corporations. Those often have subsidiaries in the African context. And you find interestingly that the South African or the African subsidiaries are not implementing as as the European or or the American counterparts are. So a, an easy, a low hanging fruit is that multinational companies must ensure the same kind of gender equality commitments across all the countries that they operate in and not necessarily just in the countries where they know they will face pressure and, and it will be enforced. Um, a second way, I think more important way is you've got to be able to prove the case in the African context. You have to be able to prove the case that gender equality makes a significant difference and contributes to the bottom line. People talk about showing the business case. So theoretically, we often talk about the business case, but you have to be able to show the business case that it does contribute to the triple bottom line of an organization and it generally makes the operation, the business benefits better for an organization. I don't think in the African context we have had a, a company that's brave enough to walk the journey and report it and, and, and be that, that beacon to show it's possible and here's how we can do it. And that, that really is the work that has to be done. The other thing is that the women's empowerment principles or any of the international frameworks have very low signatories. 
in the African context. And so much more has to be done even when they do have signatories. I mean, the Women's Empowerment Principles has 233 African companies that have signed up, but very few of them even submit the reports. So we have to be able to make the traction between making the pledge and actually doing the work. And the way to make that traction is understanding that companies must be put under scrutiny. How do we build the social pressure? How do we ensure that women or employees are making the demands of their own companies and we're having a sense of what companies are doing around gender equality and that's really what the dare to see us campaign is about it's asking who's doing this work and who's showing that it's possible and it's asking women how are you raising your voices to ensure that this work is being done because you're the people who suffer the consequences when it's not done Absolutely. And so a lot of this would revolve around, uh, you know, measurement and reporting, but what are the kind of metrics, what should we be measuring, um, you know, and where are the limitations to that? Um, so there are a number of frameworks, um, some of them continental, some global. As I said, I mean, you would see if you looked, for example, at the Women's Empowerment Principles, which is a global framework that was developed be, um, in partnership with UN Women and Global Compact. So it really builds off the sustainability uh, industry and the sustainability narrative to focus very specific, specifically on gender equality. But if you look at the women's empowerment principles, you'll see that there isn't a huge uptake in Europe. And the reason there isn't a huge uptake in Europe is, is because the European Union has its own um, has its own metrics and frameworks that it applies. Um, but for me, the women's empowerment principles are some of they, the most simple and the most comprehensive because they understand what the problem is. And those principles are just seven key principles. And what they really say is if you want to have gender equality, you have to have a commitment at leadership level. You have to have internal processes and procedures that ensure parity or equality or fairness between men and women. You have to focus on women's empowerment. And so in terms of the empowerment principles, they focus in on specific areas. So they focus around uh, learning and development for women as well as health issues and wellness issues for women. But you have to empower women within the context. And more than that, you have to empower women outside of the context. So they have a number of principles that focus on empowering women in the community. One focuses on looking at the supply chains of a company, and then the other one focuses on community development through corporal social responsibility. But the most powerful principle is that you have to report socially. So it really is about putting social reporting that focuses on gender equality so that society broadly can hold you accountable on your own commitments around gender equality. So these are the principles that I really like to recommend when we are working with companies that have decided to take these journeys. But there are so many other principles. I know, for example, the G20 has a women's group called Women's 20, and they've developed 10 principles specifically around a recovery from COVID. And those principles are about how to ensure that in building back or in recovering from the COVID context, all of the basics of gender equality are put in place. Um, there are also a number of very big companies 
that do the metrics. So Accenture does amazing work. And Accenture has established like 40 critical indicators um, of workplace culture that would ensure that women can thrive in a workplace. So there's a lot of different things that can be done. But as I said, for me, the simplest is the women's empowerment principles because it gives you the room to work with your company and your employees and your community. Which we're mentioning there is everyone within the organization has a role to play in driving gender equality. But let's focus specifically on, on women themselves. What is the role that we can play at an individual level? Usually the most difficult area of work, and I also think the most, um, the most ignored area of work. Usually when we're talking about gender equality, everyone is looking at what the company must do and what the company must implement. But the truth about gender equality is that it steeps into our places of work from our society. So if we want to challenge and address gender equality, we also have to challenge it at the societal level. And we have to challenge it inside of every human being, along with the fact that there's inequality in society and we're living with it every day. If you look at the journey of a woman to come to a place of work. A woman is taught every day that you have a specific role to play in society. They are taught narratives and ways of being that don't allow them to speak up, that don't allow them to make demands in the workplace, and that often lead to a lot of the critical and difficult behaviors that don't allow gender equality to then have life in an organization. So this is really understanding the more interpersonal and intrapersonal level of work that has to be done. So if we're talking about shifting gender equality in organizations and in society, we also have to change what is inside of a person. And so what we really encourage women to do is to just create the spaces where they can hear themselves, where they can speak about their own issues, where they can articulate and, and find their own voice on the issues that they face. Um, because to take that back to the workplace as a demand often means that you have to build an understanding amongst the employees or amongst the women in the workplace. To take it back to your colleagues and ask for them to be allies means you have to find your own voice and know what you're talking about. You have to be able to say, when we're asking for flexible working hours, here are the benefits of flexible working hours. Here's how it can be done within our business. Um, and here's how it will benefit everybody beyond just me. When we're asking for extended uh, parental leaves, here's why. When we're asking for childcare facilities on site, here's why. So essentially, it's about giving women the language, uh, affirming their own experiences, because first of all, they never get to speak about it. Uh, and if you really think in a corporatized context, there's very little unionizing in the corporatized context. So they don't even have the language for these are our experiences and this is what is wrong with it. They're not given the room to articulate that. So firstly, we like to create spaces where they can, and then they can really get a clear language about how do we then make demands of our workplaces? What are the legislative requirements? So in South Africa, we have employment equity requirements. What are these requirements that say, hey, my workplace does have to respond. It's not just about me being difficult. 
And Ricky, so we're nearly um, at the end of our recording. So I just wanted to ask one more question. What I see developing part of, of this dynamic is women becoming a little bit aggressive sometimes in the way that we we lead within organizations, really pushing this agenda very, very hard. And my question to you is, you know, it's a very fine balance between driving equality and kind of just replacing the boys club with the girls club. Um, how do we walk that line? That's such an important question, Karen, because I think gender equality work is not about replacing the boys club with the women's club. Um, if you apply a feminist lens, right, feminism is not about women on top, men on bottom. It really is about how do we break what has been historical and destructive divide between what we consider private and what we consider public. So how we have developed the workplace has drawn these very thick, hard walls between what is considered your private issue and you can't bring it to work and what is considered the public work issue. And that then plays out in, um, in kind of the masculine cultures and the masculine interactions that you see in the workplace. What we have shut out as private are emotions and those emotions belong to men and women. What we have shut out as private are the challenges of living a full human life as a parent, as a sibling, as a child. We leave those at the gate when we go into the workplace. Uh, what we have shut out are our different experiences that we come up into the world of work with because those differentiate us from being the worker bee in the workplace. So gender equality work is not about removing the masculine. It definitely is helpful to know how to meet timelines. It's helpful to have kind of the formality and structure that's considered more masculine. It is about adding those elements of our humanity, um, which are embedded in what we call the feminine. So adding the empathy, adding the emotions, adding the complexity of a real life where you have care responsibilities and not just work responsibilities adding those into the workplace. And the beauty of COVID-19 is it has really shown men how much this is important to them. We've got increasing reports of men who are happy now that they've got an opportunity to contribute to the care work in their home. And I'm now beginning to look at how can flexible work hours impact my work-life balance. They're beginning to re-examine their own work-life balance um, because of an opening up to what we've considered the private or the feminine and what we've shut out of the workspace. Fantastic. Ricky, I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to, to having you back on the show just to keep discussing this really important topic. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Karen. And I am looking forward to joining you again and to possibly delving deeper into some of the issues and challenges and how we can make gender equality a real outcome for the world of work. Fantastic. Thank you, Ricky.